Welcome to the Foxtrot Uniform Charlie Kilo episode of the uh, Overcrest Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And we have a great Overcrest Rewind for you guys today. We're going to go through the news of the week and hit what we think is cool, what we think is important. What and, is notable uh, and you need to know. we got a couple cool topics to talk about. I'm going to review a little bit of our projects. I don't know if you've worked on the truck or not, but uh, before we get to that stuff, what have you got for us? Yeah, we'd like to remind you to head over to patreon.com slash overcrest. It's one way that you can support the show. You can get a bunch of bonus content. We just recorded one regarding displacement, Chris. Yeah, There's no replacement for displacement. We found out that there might be. True. <laughs> 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 yeah, there might be. There might be. Uh, in addition to exclusive content, you can opt to go up a level and get a t-shirt, get some swag. You can get maybe even exclusive print from but Chris. The most important thing you're doing is supporting the show. You're supporting us. Five bucks a month. That's yes. like a coffee. Right. And you can support your creators. And as I like to say, rather than going and buying that coffee from Starbucks, all month you can get content from us that'll keep you awake in your car much better than that so is we is that uh overcrest vende then is that like a, is vende a large oh you mean like the it's venti yeah. but venti but yeah see obviously you're I don't a drink re, you're a, yeah you're a huge starbucks snob aren't you chris yeah, i can I've tell i've never had a cup of coffee <laughs> in my life no no true i realize you're not a coffee drinker but you've never tried it i've never put coffee in my mouth why I don't. Don't you wonder what you're missing? You're like, this is a super popular thing I that everyone does I and see, loves. I see people like you standing there going, I haven't had my coffee yet. And you're literally a slug crawling across <laughs> the ground, like just dragging your ass like a dog yeah. to the coffee machine. Yeah. And basically, I'm at your level. That's basically like Chris level of excitement normally. Yeah. And then when I have my coffee, I become myself. <laughs> yeah. See? I just, I don't. I'm like, I don't, I'm an old grumpy man. My I name is Chris, it. and then I have coffee, and you turn into Jake. Oh, it's like the uh, the Snickers bar commercial. Exactly. Thing. Yeah. yeah, where you're where I'm Joe Pesci, and you're you yeah. you're Joe Pesci after having a candy exactly. bar. I get it. So, um, one of the topics I wanted to discuss is you know we keep we're still for some reason seeing zero to sixty times. Right. It's still you're is, talking about new electric performance cars, or even just not electric. It's a but measurement. Just, yeah. If you go look at any car on Motor Trend or auto week or whatever yeah, they, they will have that. they will list the zero to 60 times they don't list the there should be a smiley face you know when you're at the hospital uh-huh and they have how much pain are you in oh yeah yeah and it's There's like a name one for through that 10. chart yeah and it's basically are you basically somewhat in pain or are you on fire right, right. now exactly. are you on fire because yes. that's a 10 you should put me out and then ask me the question again right there should be a, a smiley face chart. How much fun are you having in this car? Oh. Are you not having any fun or are you on fire? Yes. You know, there yes. could be. It's more subjective and it gives up. I would say a it's more not subjective. Accurate. A fun car is a fun car, period. If you are someone that likes cars and you get into a car and you're honest with yourself, cars are fun. Right. It is a tool that's meant to quantify it, though. You, you can't. I, I would say that if I get into um, even when I got into the Miata when I was driving with Ryan. I had reluctantly reluctant. you had fun. I had I had fun. So that was like a six on the smiley face. chart. OK, so, but my point is, is that, you know, zero to 60 times are getting even more irrelevant as the time compresses. Right. The time sure. is compressing because there is there's an ultimate limit unless you're putting snowmobile uh, tracks on your car to get some crazy amount of traction. <laughs> where you have got a four foot traction patch by two feet wide and you've got two of them. It's it's it comes to the limit of physics right it's just how much power can you put down in a given time yeah it's 
traction. It's just a limit of rubber, the traction surface, what the heat, the temperature, all this stuff. There is an ideal scientific situation where you're going to reach the ultimate zero to 60 time. Right. But with human engineering, you're not going to be able to go any faster. You're just, all you're it just is, not. is it's bench top bragging rights. Yeah, your car does zero to 60 in 4.7. Well, mine does it in 4.6. My, what I like, I think would be a better metric is there are a couple of times, like a 40 to 80 time. Okay. Or like a 50 would 100 time. Because when you're, you you know, you go to get on the freeway, you speed up to like 30 or 40, and then you go, oh, you got to hit the gas and you got to go, right? Yeah. My Mercedes, the AMG is awesome, 40 yeah. to 100. Yeah. And it shifts and you, you feel it shift and you kind of get pushed back in your seat a little bit every time and it kicks you. And that to me is a way more fun. And I think people do that a lot more. Nobody goes up to us. They floor their car a lot more than they do a brake stand at a light and try and right. go, right? Nobody really does that i think it's unless you're trying to unless you're unless you're corvette which we'll talk about later Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but nobody does it so no i agree and no one is out there stoplight racing anymore so 40 80 50 100 time give me those nine times i think they do i I would agree that's more that's irrelevant for some of the supercars you see like 60 to 100 or how fast do you get to 120 right but i still want to see 60 to 120 because that's why because you're that's where you're having fun (laughs) okay you're having fun when you're actually driving the car. Launching the car from a light is not that interesting unless you're racing somebody, and it's very rare. Yeah, I agree. It's very rare. And even when I do end up racing somebody in my car, which is always fun, did I ever tell you I raced a crotch rocket in my 911? No. I did, and I hung with him. It really? was like some small displacement crotch yeah. rocket or whatever, but he's like, he, we got to the next light, and he's whoa, man, what is that thing? I'm like, it's an old 911. He's like, man, there's no way that thing is stock. I'm like, no, no, it is no, it is not. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah, it was fun, but that's the kind of, but even then, you're doing it from a roll. Like you, yeah. Maybe you slow down a little bit. You're on a 55-mile road. You slow down to like 30, and I usually will race somebody in Mexico only. Right, up, up to like Naturally, or 80, on a closed course. 80 miles an hour, 90 mm-hmm. miles an hour. And I usually don't mess around much more than that anymore. <laughs> yeah. But that's more fun than, you know, just being at a light and launching yourself. You get the most exhilaration out of downshifting, accelerating. I would you know, agree. It's more interactive stuff. So I'd like to see a little bit more of that. But as this time compresses, the zero to 60 time compresses down, 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 down. What do you think manufacturers are going to start to do? Because people aren't going to care anymore. No, they won't. Everything is fast. I would argue people don't care. You Back in the day, you would have something most... Consumer cars were zero to 60 in 10, 11, 12 seconds. Right. And it was fine. My Mercedes is probably zero to 60 in 19 seconds. Right. My old one. Yeah. And, but then you would have a Corvette is zero to 60 with six seconds. And you're like, oh. so it was twice. I mean, it was right. a significant gap. Yes. But now that all the cars are less than six seconds, yeah. less than five seconds oh, in yeah. some cases, it's, yeah, it's silly. Do you think maybe as time goes on, the electric cars, right now it's kind of a, this is what we can do. Mm-hmm. This is they're fast. This is what we can do. They're trying to use that to attract buyers. Sure. Do you think as time goes on and the market develops that we're going to start to see that breadth of zero to sixty time come back, where where people are going to be like, I just want like a a fourteen thousand dollar electric car with a hundred horsepower that is a zero to sixty time in nine seconds. I just don't need that. And then there'll be like this this marketplace for a slow electric car that somebody just doesn't need that type of torque, power, and speed. It's still not relevant then. The zero to sixty time. Why? Because if people don't want that anymore, because they know that's easily attainable, right? then why does it matter if this one doesn't do 0 to 60? 
The reason you don't want it is because it's not something you're going for. Well, you're talking about somebody relevant. that's buying a Chevy Aveo. Sure. Okay, but those people exist now. Those right. cars are slow now. Right. But yet we still don't care about the zero to sixty times anymore. Right. Because all the fast cars are just fast. Plus the, you know, you can't. I can't compete with a Tesla anyway. So I'm not sure where this is going to go. We'll see where zero to sixty times. I think go. your 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 point is it's just not a relevant metric anymore. So what do you think manufacturers are going to do to keep things fresh? If it can't be, just I like your speed. smiley face idea. You like that? You yeah. like the smiley face and idea? It has to be a regulated system. You can't quantify it, but it needs to be like a panel of like hundred judges or something, and every single car in the market it's like an epa fuel mileage rating right, right? and so it is across you know the what board. they would call it smiles per mile smiles per mile <laughs> see i love that idea yeah we yeah. Should, maybe that's we should go do some test driving oh cars so and, now it's the overcrest smiles per mile official yeah, yeah i like yeah, that we, should, we need to start we need to start going and test drive some cars anyway some of these new cars these hundis everything else yeah, I, I, I would like to by the way i talked to uh one of the r&d guys at hyundai mm-hmm. he's going to come on the podcast to talk about what they're doing that'll be exciting which is, i'm really really interested yeah in, for sure up. we'll see what uh see i want to know what with. some of these guys see how many ponies their cars have i don't get it ponies the hyundai pony oh that was a thing wasn't yeah, it? yeah and then ponies horsepower yeah ponies. no I, I get that part that was dumb <laughs> No one laughed at that, Chris. No one I bet somebody did. If you laughed at that terrible joke, send us a message at info at. All right. So yeah. um, what about like tech and luxury? I mean, is that going to be something that, you know, people are going to start throwing more and more technology into the cars to get people? Are they going to become more and more luxurious? Yeah, They've that's what we're seeing. attract people, you know, more. Maybe we'll see better design. No. i would like to think we'll see better design maybe more risky design because cars are becoming kind of homogenous now for sure you know everything's kind of this round blob you know you look at the tesla model s every electric car is looking like a tesla model S. they're just even the porsche Taycan is looking like a tesla model s in my mind Mm, silhouette well, I think that's formed by aerodynamics probably a little bit, but right. that's a lot of... Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're becoming more homogenous. Maybe right. we'll start to see, you know, some sort of bold design choice because as we talk about in the last couple of weeks, the drive lines are becoming so similar that they can't use that to necessarily differentiate their brand anymore. Right. So you're going to start seeing other things. Maybe it'll be... I would hope so. Maybe it'll be designed. I so, want to go back to the 50s where things were just wild. How tall I, are the fins we can put on I this thing? I don't like the style, but I do like the... These were so different. Like full glass top bubble roofs and... There was risks being BMW taken. BMW Zeta. How different is that thing from a Chevy Bel Air with giant fins on Well, you do have it. smart cars. Those are a lot different than an Escalade. True. Which, yeah, I like smart cars because they're different. I saw one drive around and my kid goes... Dad, why is that tiny car driving around in the road? That, <laughs> she goes, that lady looks ridiculous. Um, so have you been working on the truck at all? Did you do anything since? I haven't. No, my dad is still doing a lot of rush repair. He cut out one of the floors. So I noticed one of the things I got from from uh, Worth was a can of rust conversion and a can spray can. Yes. Not the paint on can. Did you bring that for me? Because last time you said you were going to bring that for me. No. Okay. And I, I thought about giving it to you, and then you were supposed to come up today and then you abandoned me. Oh, no, so- I didn't. You said well, I'm not doing that anymore because I'm too afraid to proceed as is. That's not true. Yes, it is. It is not. I'm not. 100% not, true. I'm slightly afraid. <laughs> I'm slightly afraid to work on my car. I've got. I, so all the sheet metal showed up. All of it. So I have absolutely no excuses to, to start working. You have car. everything. So I think what I'm going to do is I need to... So the inner fender piece actually comes up much farther south on the car than I thought it would. Okay. And so what I got to do is I got to take the new fender that I had off, and I'm going to trace... I got to cut the battery back box off, the, yep. the old one. Yep. So I... Because I don't have a battery box on the new inner fender. I need to get that out of the way so I can make a template of the new 
thing to see how far up it goes. Sure. And then I can draw that line on the car. And you're going to go as far as it goes. I'm going to go as far as it goes. I'm going to use all of it. And then I'm going to, that's where I'm going to cut it. I think. Yep. Is I'll basically, I'll use the fender hole, the first fender hole on the, on the thing to line it up and that's where it'll go. But then I'm going to have to maybe (laughs) shift it up and down a little bit to try and get it. So it's straight. I don't know. I was talking to a, talking to a friend and he says, your car is basically going to become a sculpture. Yeah, you're gonna have to eyeball this thing. It's gonna it's gonna have to be eyeballed a little bit. It's gonna be a lot of all right. This is here. Tack it. <laughs> the first cut is the one that I'm afraid to make because well, the first cut is the deepest, Chris. It, it has nothing to do with <laughs> no. It has nothing to do with that. The first cut will determine because the first cut is how um, straight it's gonna be. I got to mm-hmm. get that cut straight because I don't want to cut like a little triangle piece and end up putting it in there and tack. Well, I guess that wouldn't be the end of the world. No one. I think you should cut further down from your piece so that you then can adjust it and have an inch or two to play with. Well, yeah. So what I need to do is I'm, I have these little Clico clamps or whatever. Yep. So when I get that battery box cut off, I'm going to have that other piece and I'll be able to kind of clamp it on there and kind of step back and look mm-hmm. okay. And then I can, once I have it on there, kind of, I can set the fender back on and go, is this better? Yeah. You know, and then I can continue to put it on and off. And then I'll I also have it. some butt welding clamps that I need to give you. Did you'll oh, use? The, yes. I, you, I bought turn, some of those. You turn them down and it's the thing and it gives you like the 16th in between. Yep. I, I bought a few of those. Okay. I, I went on package. a Northern Tool shopping spree of go. grinding discs and cutting discs <laughs> and the butt welding things yep. and everything else. So that's kind of where we're at. I, I laid everything out in front of the car and you can visually see it. Yeah. You took a nice it photo a, of it. It is a lot of work. Yep. It is an incredible amount of work that I have to do. I'm basically, it's about 25% of the car. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. With the floor pan and the suspension <laughs> yeah. pan and everything else, it's about twenty five percent. Jeez. And nice thing is, all the metal is really heavy gauge. It's really nice. Yeah, it's that good old German steel. Oh, uh, it's Canadian. Well, Canadian <laughs> made to German steel specs. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, what have we got in news? Do you, you want to take this one? Or yeah. Uh, Subaru came out with a new Forester edition, I like which for- is not a joke. I had to look this up. It's not. A this joke, is not a joke. I like the Forester. I think of all the Subarus, I like the Forester that has the STI engine. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. My buddy Steve has one of those. They're rad. Yeah, for sure. So Subaru's display at the 2020 Singapore Motor Show was headlined by the Visiviv Adrenaline Concept. The Forester, E-Boxster, and the GT Edition as well, and the refreshed Impreza. However, there was one model showcased in the Japanese carmaker's booth that we figured deserves everyone's attention. Here it is, Chris. The Forester Ultimate Customized Kit Special Edition. And here's what's terrible. If you look this up... Everybody just think for a second. No, no, no. You don't even have to think because here's what they did. They wrote this big long name in giant type in front of the car at the booth. And what did they do? They capitalized every letter and made it bold and much bigger than every other thing. So it just said (laughs) F-U-C-K. Why? Foxtrot Uniform Charlie Kilo Edition. So it's, it's a custom thing. It's got a bunch of interior stuff and you know different seats and vinyl and stuff like that so subaru has released an apology no yes do you think somebody was upset or do you think that somebody i mean like a consumer was upset or a journalist was upset i don't know or do you think someone at the company was like oh my gosh what do we got to do we got to apologize for this I don't know. So I want to hear what is. So they just right. had an apology yesterday afternoon. We learned about an unfortunate situation related to the name given to a special edition Forster by the independent distributor in Singapore. 
We, don't make, we want to make sure that you and all your customers know that Subaru of America and Subaru Corporation had nothing to do with this. So this was some third party that made a modified Forester? Yeah, basically. Okay. They, do you think they knew? Or is it just this thing where the Japanese don't really... Because <laughs> the, no, the someone English knew. is kind someone of... Someone knew exactly yeah, what they were yeah, doing. Yeah, but even when you see Japanese products sometimes I and know. you hear it, it, the words don't work, they yeah. don't match. Oh, I know. You it's think really that every funny. company would pay some American guy like 50 grand to just be there and be like, no, you can't say that. Well, there's no. one guy and he thinks it's hilarious, so he just keeps he just going. Let, <laughs> he just let it slide. We apologize for any negative feedback this may have cost. Okay. Who gave negative feedback? Who didn't just chuckle at this yep. and go about their day? Right. But somebody know. must have called up a dealer and been like, I'm so offended. I, as a Subaru owner, I'm offended <laughs> about this. I'm worried about the brand and its direction. Um, SBR has had the name removed from the car at the Singapore Auto Show. We work very hard to build a strong brand image for this company. And the naming of this vehicle is in no way reflective of our values and standards that we hold true. <laughs> We have no sense of humor. We, yeah, uh, basically. But That's this is corporate. Dumb. This is corporate America. Furthermore, yeah. we will always do our best to protect our brand's integrity. Blah, 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 blah. blah. It's, it's also this thing is hideous. And yeah. if they really did call it the Fux Edition, <laughs> the guy that's driving it wouldn't Oh, carry. you would love it. That's why you would buy it. You would buy it. He gives no fucks. Do you remember the Mitsubishi Evolution 9 FQ430? This was something you couldn't buy in America. No. This was from the factory. The FQ430 stood for fucking quick 430 horsepower. That's amazing. That was, was that, Mitsubishi did that. They owned it. That is fantastic. That is awesome. And Mitsubishi doesn't make cars anymore. Well, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not what took them down. That was awesome. No. It's so, it's, yeah, I feel like people should embrace that. Are there other uh, instances of that happening? I feel like I'm missing out on other instances of acronyms by manufacturers. Oh, man. Oh, pretty, PDQ is pretty damn quick. The gas station. If you want to go and get gas, it's PDQ pretty damn quick. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's, I'm sure there's a lot of other ones. You'll have to let us know yeah, we'll as see a it. listener. Yeah, if anybody knows of any, let us know. All right, so Chris, we've heard uh, different news about this where basically cities in Europe are cracking down on emissions, basically saying if your car pollutes or whatever else, or if, if it's a diesel, you can't enter the city. You can't drive here. You can't right. drive there. Between these times, that times, you can pay a stamp if you want, yep. blah, blah, blah. So Belgium enacted this for its cities, but there's something they kind of forgot about. Okay. So Belgium's federal police vehicle vehicles are now too dirty for its urban emissions rules. So Chris, <laughs> okay. here's here's the scenario. You have just committed a bank robbery I in have? Belgium, let's say. Okay. Okay. And so you're in your car and oh geez, the police are on to you. You're in a high speed chase. What do you do? Whatever you want, because they <laughs> well, you just head right into the city center and they can't follow you. So are these guys actually not allowed to drive in the city with these vehicles? I mean, they must give them some sort of pass, right? So Belgium, Belgium's federal police forces have run afoul of tighter emissions control enacted at the start of the year with a number of its cars and vans now too dirty to enter the city of Brussels, Antwerp and Ghent. Keep in mind, this is more than just a paperwork snafu. The country takes these restrictions seriously, and the cost of keeping its police vehicles on the road is providing prohibitive. The police force does not have sufficient funds to renew its entire fleet of several thousand vehicles. So they literally are not allowing a lot of these police vehicles in the city. So I thought Belgium was super safe. Isn't it just people like Jason Bourne just spying on people in Belgium? Isn't that what you do there? Sure. I don't think it's that. Yeah, I think they like Brussels sprouts. <laughs> wow, dude, that was awful. That, that was, was much better than terrible. your pony joke. Nope, it wasn't. That was much Mine was better. actually car related. Yours is vegetarian related. Yeah. 
no, no good. All right. All right. Is, is that it for that one? That's it for that one. All right. Toyota has launched a new heritage parts project. Oh. And they will start producing parts for the A70 and A80 Supra. So this is like Porsche classic it's, for your old Toyota. Well, this is something that has existed for a while with other manufacturers, not just Porsche. The Volkswagen has a classic department. Yeah. Okay. That you could order stuff through the dealer okay. at outrageous prices for your <laughs> Econobox Volkswagen. Um, BMW has a classics department. I mean, everybody has kind of a classics department. Gotcha. It's the Japanese manufacturers Who that have did. been lagging behind. I gotcha. Nissan, I don't think they really do much. Toyota now does it. We found out that um, Mazda is doing it with the Miata, remember? Yes, that's so right. You can be- basically send your Miata in and have a brand new one. Exactly. Yeah. So Toyota Gazoo Racing is leading a new initiative to reproduce previously unavailable genuine parts for Toyota Heritage models. The initiative is known as the GR Heritage Parts Project. And I think this is cool. You know, it I, is cool. But yep. the question is, why are they doing it? It's because I think they realize like our coolest stuff is from the past. Now, is that kind? Are we? Is it? Is there nostalgia catching up with them that yes, they're just we're 100%. not, not going to be able to make anything cool anymore? Is, yep. is it me mourning for my youth when I was like, man, I used to be cool. Yeah. Yes. Now I'm just some dorky no, podcast guy. Right. Yeah. Yep. All right. 100%. So it's cool. I mean, it's it's nice knowing that some of this stuff is going to stick around. And I think the more manufacturers get involved in these heritage projects, the the longer we're going to be able to drive our cars and do things with them. I agree. Which I think will be great. So, because as, as they're out on the road, they're going to be seen by other people and it just kind of helps and you'll be like why would i buy this super boring blah mobile when look at this guy having fun in his old whatever his uh, smiles per miles are at least seven out of ten. Oh, for sure the (laughs) man mobile is only a one (laughs) the man mobile all right so you have some interesting news out of bmw all right so bmw is this this is interesting because you remember when we talked about honda the other mm-hmm. day, and they were saying, oh, uh, we're not sure if electrics are the way. Yeah. We're going to start doing hybrids or mixed technologies, whatever. Right. Um, BMW's R&D boss, Klaus Froelich, has said, quote, a flexible architecture is the best solution for the next five to 10 years. But clearly, if the world turns fully electric, we will develop dedicated architectures. Now, I was looking at some of the comments on um, different news articles that had to do this, and everybody's like, oh, my God, BMW's living on the in the past. It's over. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. But in theory, this has kind of been the stance for BMW for a long time. Is they, yeah. they haven't really gotten after this electric thing super hard. No, I think, wasn't it their boss who said, like, we will continue building inter- internal combustion engines for the next 30 years? Yeah, something like that. The best assumption is that electrified vehicles will account for 20 to 30% of worldwide sales by 2030. So that's a much lower that's estimate much more conservative. than what a lot of other people have been saying. Yeah. But they're going to have a very diverse global distribution. China's big East Coast cities will become purely electric pretty soon, while Western China will, will rely on gasoline engines for the next 15 to 20 years due to lack of infrastructure. That makes sense. In Europe, there's a reluctance to jump directly to EVs, so plug-in hybrids are the right solution. They will be used as EVs during the week and run on gasoline on weekends or long trips. That makes we sense. We expect plug-in hybrids to come for 25% of European sales, gasoline and diesel will have more than 50%, and the rest will be EVs. Most of the U.S. does not even need them, he says. We could offer high-performance plug-in hybrids in the, in the M space, providing a lot of fun to the driver, mm. smiles per mile, as environmental credits for us. Yeah. Mm. We see uh, EVs mainly in the West Coast and parts of the East Coast, while the rest of the U.S. will continue with conventional gasoline engines. I think that is accurate. I think that's a very realistic why, outlook. Why do you think... Companies like Volkswagen went all in on electric like this. 
60 billion dollars because they can't make diesels anymore <laughs> well I, I don't think that's the case i think that they somebody got really 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 shocked by what tesla did yeah I and, think you're right. and still the vast majority of evs that are sold are still teslas yep people are i, th- I really thought people were going to go i'm going to move away from this i mean we don't have a lot to a, a serious amount to choose from right now mm-hmm. but the teslas are the the main volume seller in this segment right now and i think that's not what I expected. I thought as other manufacturers came in, we'd start to see a shift away from it. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. So, um, and I know you don't like hydrogen cars, but they're no. de- the BMW is going to be developing with Toyota some hydrogen vehicles in the next 10 years, um, second generation ones, because they already have some. Yeah, they, BMW is the X6 and the S7 are going to be in the next 10 years, but cool. I, I they fo- won't work. Okay. they. It seems like they're not going to work for cars, mm-hmm. is what he said, but they are going to work for um industrial vehicles oh okay. trucks so your semis are all gonna be hydrogen it could be uh the problem is is that they i didn't realize how much pressure was in these tanks oh yes 700 bar yes that's ten thousand psi yeah that's wild yeah that's why it doesn't that's work chris a huge amount of pressure um just because you know with the trucks and stuff they're driving so much the electric stuff just isn't an option it takes that too, makes sense. it takes too long to charge it's too much weight in batteries it's too inefficient yep. and which makes me think of tesla's semi truck how is that? How is that going to work? Plausible. How is that going to? How are you going to be able to drive? You know, these guys will drive three thousand, four thousand miles in two or three days. Yeah. That. How are you going to be able to charge that? I don't know. It's just not not an option there. Okay, so maybe what they're hauling is just their battery pack. Yes, they're just going to drive around <laughs> the battery pack. I still think hot swappable batteries are going to be Agreed. The, the answer to all of this. I just have you, you instead of driving through your uh, car wash, it basically be your drive through battery swap. Right, and I don't think there need to be anybody involved. No, the, it's just the literally is, is pull through. It's automated underneath your car. The entire bottom of the chassis it, is it modular. It. Yep. Yeah, it hooks it and pulls it out as you drive through. Um, I think that that would probably be a manufacturer-based thing, like you drive to the yeah. dealer and do it. And I don't just because I don't think then you don't have a line 130 deep to charge your Tesla as you're waiting for. It would be minutes. faster than filling up your gas tank. Yes, it would. Why do you think this hasn't happened? I don't know. Initially, this was one thing they were talking about. Is it infrastructure? Because now probably, they need these things everywhere. I think everybody doesn't know what to do. So whenever somebody spends a ton of money on something like a charging system, I was like, all right, fine, we'll do that. Because <laughs> you know, there's nobody really Damn. knows how this it's, is going to work. I agree. All right. So Corvette, uh, two Corvettes have sadly been impounded. Uh-huh. According to Kentucky State Police, a trooper stopped Alexander Tim and Mark Derkatz on the evening of Wednesday, January 8th on Lover's Lane in Bowling Green. Now, this isn't what you think based on the street name. Don't get too excited. <laughs> For exceeding the posted 45 mile per hour speed limit by more than 26 miles per hour, reckless driving and racing motor vehicles on a public road. Okay. Uh, Automobile Magazine has not been able to verify just how much higher than 71 miles per hour the cars were traveling when the police nailed them and hauled the drivers away. Exceeding the speed limit by 26 miles per hour is simply Kentucky standard under I think it ended up oh, being. Oh, I get it. I think it's like 30 miles an hour over is what they were actually doing. Sure. Um, according to the employee's LinkedIn profiles, Tim is a, a computer-aided engineering engineer working on induction exhaust systems, and Marcatz is an electrical engineer. Fortunately, no one was injured in the accident. <laughs> Give me a break. So wait, these are both GM engineers. Yes. I like it. They were uh, basically doing 70, 75, and a 45. It's, yeah. it's not that big of a deal, no, I don't not. think, but they arrested them. And impounded the cars. Jeez. We are aware of an incident involving our test vehicles and are currently investigating. So these were their actual test vehicles. These weren't just these guys' personal cars. GM noted in a statement provided, safety remains our overriding priority at GM. 
<laughs> we have no further comment at this time. Yeah. As for the Corvettes, police enlisted two towing companies to remove them from the scene and deposit them at the impound lot, where a police representative said the vehicles were collected by the next day by the owner. It's almost like when you get caught speeding and you get your car taken away and a kid, your parents have to come get it out of the impound lot for you. That never happened to me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, per GM statement, it is unknown whether Tim and Marquette's remain employed with the company. Hmm. I would hope. Well, they might. Here's this, they probably this, this statement. Fired, this, I think this is actually Automobile Mag. Yeah, it's Automobile Mag. Um, the situation is particularly embarrassing for the Corvette brand. Bologna. Yeah, this is what Corvettes are. This is what the car is made to do. This is the best viral marketing plan ever. These cars are made to street race, even so much so that our engineers are testing them by doing that. This is so this is so good. For viral marketing, getting the word about the Corvette out there. Obviously, it's not intentional because you can't say, hey guys, we're gonna race here, pull us over. <laughs> Just like right, no. cars. But it is nobody's embarrassed. If they're embarrassed, they should be fired. This is exactly what every Corvette was meant to do is go on the four lane highway with the stoplight to stoplight. And originally maybe, well, I guess maybe not designed to do that. No, no, but that's what it gets used for. Yeah. Obviously it's not. I originally it was kind of like a fast touring car. And then I guess it became more of a, you know, like just a hot rod type of thing. Right. Think? Mm, I think it's just always been the retiree vehicle for the older white gentleman who can put his golf clubs in the back. Yeah, well, at least they can put the golf clubs in these. They made room for that. So, they did, actually. Um, Mercedes? <laughs> proves my point. So I, I think they're more of a race car now. I agree. They definitely have they've that been, capability. They've been engineered to yes. be but way more than just a... They were testing how many golf clubs you could put in the back when they were engineering this they thing. They had to. Yes. Yes. All right, Mercedes, because in Florida, the guys that own them are going to need to go from their retirement home. Yeah, and I mean, it's cool. You can get there quick. <laughs> How many little jackets with Corvette flags on it do you think you can fit in that <laughs> compartment that has the... <laughs> A lot of them. Where would you st store the uh, diamond plate steel that you buy to put in your garage when you take your Corvette? To oh, Hobie sure. Home? Yeah, you do need that yeah, for you gotta sure. You got to have that stuff yep. as well. All right, so you know the... Oh, don't forget the, the barbed wire license plate frame. Do you get that free when you get the tattoo? Yes, I think so. <laughs> All right. So Mercedes is making some pretty ugly stereo uh, prototype stuff lately. Have you seen just in general? Yeah. We're yeah. talking the over the last the couple panels, of like, yeah. moves. So, do you know the Consumer Electronics Show, right? That's yep. where all the new technology gets revealed. It used to be for like cell phones and laptops, but now that Anything, cars are so electronic, that's where a lot of these are being right. shown. So, off. Mercedes released a car there. You know, Sony released a car there. I know. Which is, it should just have been called the PlayStation Edition. <laughs> Do you think it would be cool if like a little self-driving car, but if yeah. you want to drive it, a PlayStation controller comes out of the dash. Sure. You've got your two analog sticks and you can drive it around like it's Gran Turismo. Yeah. I mean, fantastic. One of our listeners actually pointed out, if you look really close, the rear caliper is basically falling off that car. The prototype. <laughs> so the car's not actually made by Sony. I forget who makes it, but it's, oh, okay. it's not Sony. It's but, just branded. But hey, like I said, everybody can make a car now. Released over mm -hmm. no, ten years very, very ago. Easy. So Mercedes released a car. The, um, the car has been called show. Avatar and is covered uh, in AVTR. And I yep. want thirty-three of them to be precise. Yep. Now these look like a trypophobiac's worst dream. So what is a trypophobiac? A trypophobia is an aversion to the sight of irregular patterns or clusters of small holes and bumps. <laughs> That's a thing. That's a thing. Well, okay. It is not officially recognized as a mental disorder, oh, but okay. you can be diagnosed with it if you're. Super scared. Like if you see a bunch of dots and you You're faint. Like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, there's those 
dots again. But Wait, you very what if, hold on. What if you were had this tryptophobia and you were blind, so all you needed was Braille everywhere? Oh my God, it'd be the worst. It'd be Every as, time you read something in Braille, you'd freak out. This is the thing that they're talking about when you see, um, like if you see somebody's hand, there's a bunch of holes in it and there's like, bugs crawling out of it or it's like spider eyes that kind of stuff causes trip look you can google it if you want or braille it's it's disturbing to everyone for some reason it's disturbing when this the whole rear end of this car has all these little flaps that open up it looks just like this (laughs) and Um, spiders crawl out of each one of them even the spherical wheels on the car were inspired by seeds from a special tree in the film avatar wait so it literally was a callback to the movie avatar yeah james cameron showed up why I don't know the movie's over 10 years old. Um, the, basically, the sum, summary of the movie is a paraplegic a paraplegic Marine <laughs> was dispatched to the moon on a unique mission become, which and becomes torn between following his orders and protecting the world he feels as his home. Right. So I'm not sure if they're saying the auto industry is full of paraplegics right now and we need to change cars into genetically engineered superhumans. I'm not exactly sure. What this is the, so weird. It's so oh, weird. Even, do you see like the stage they put it on? It's is like the Avatar world. I don't understand. It's like we've been coming up with this program since 2009. We're finally here to release the it's Avatar so edition. Weird. That should have been released 10 years. It makes no sense. Yeah. Mercedes I, Benz Twitter page also is all Avatar now. Yeah. It's bizarre. Maybe You know what? I wonder if there's another Avatar movie coming out. Oh. You think that all of a sudden in two weeks it's going to be Avatar 2. By Mercedes Benz. Yeah. We'll see how things go. All right. What do we got next? So I like this story. Classic tractors from the 80s. Thank you for telling me stories that you like versus ones you don't like. I didn't like any of yours. This one I like. All right, now sit up. Classic tractors from the 80s are becoming popular farmers sick of high-tech bullshit. So, Chris, what do you know about farming? Um, A decent amount. I I understand. We're from from Wisconsin. My family owns a huge, like, thousands of acres in Kansas. So I have a pretty good idea how farming works. So one thing that's interesting is that modern tractors are super high-tech with GPS-guided steering, over-the-air software updates, autonomy, and more electronics than a garage for Teslas. And they can't be... That you have to take them. The big problem is that you have to take them to the John Deere dealer, right? Or whatever, All or the international dealer is locked. It's everything locked. else, yeah, because it's not a car. Right. In a car, you can't do that. It's illegal. Because there's a law. There's a law that says you can't. But in tractors, you're screwed. You got to take it's your all proprietary. Got to have some John Deere guy come out, charge you 150 dollars yep. an hour to come look at your John and Deere a tractor. A lot of times, because be- you're a farmer yes. and you don't know what the hell any of this crap is, right? Well, a lot of times these tractors too, like you just program them to go like plow the field and you don't have to be in it. And then if it all of a sudden sends out a signal like, hey, I need my oil changed or wherever it does, it'll just pull over to the side of the road and the technician will come out to the field and change the oil and all this. And you pay for the service, of course. Right. So it's all exorbitantly expensive. So this has led to a fight for farmers. Look, another issue, though, is farming has become a huge industry. It used to be you'd have family farming, right? right? You now have a guy with 200 acres. Like they've corporate all been, farms. So you have thousands and thousands of acres that are unmaintainable by a single farmer. You right. cannot possibly do it. Which is what leads to this. Yes. However, some farmers are fighting for the right to repair the equipment that they own, which you get. You bought this thing. It's Why yours. can't you fix it? So much of it is proprietary, as we said, and these guys aren't able to work on their own equipment. This has led to strange, maybe not so legal, hacking of farmers' own equipment. There's some help. cool stuff on YouTube about this stuff. So, yeah, they are basically are in, uh, employing Eastern European hackers to help them, like, jailbreak their tractors. It's awesome. In addition... Do they add more boost? That'd be cool. Yeah. Let's get this done. We're going to plow this field really get quick. This done. In addition, it has led to farmers just avoiding all the high-tech headaches entirely and buying tractors from the 70s and 80s. 
According to our own Minneapolis Star Tribune, pre-1990 tractors have been selling for higher and higher prices at auctions, and demand for the older tractors has been increasing. So basically, you're saying, why would I buy this brand new tractor that I can't work on and it's going to cost all this money when I can buy one that's 30 years old and does the exact same thing? And it's 25 grand. Yes. Uh, for example, one local farmer opted to buy a 1979 John Deere for his next tractor. And the best thing, the tractor cost 18 grand instead of the over 150 grand for 150,000 comparable... would be a bargain for a new tractor. Yeah, I assume it's a smaller tractor. However, the big draw of the older tractor is the lack of complex technology. Farmers need to be able to fix what they can on the spot or take it to their mechanic right down the street, not having to spend thousands of dollars at the corporate dealer. When I go into the 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 maintenance f- facility, which is just a steel building at my my great uncle's farm, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it smells like a machine shop. There's tools right. hanging everywhere. Right, these it's it's a generation. He's probably eighty. Yeah, he's he's getting up there, but he's the guy that grew up when none of this stuff existed. I don't know if he owns any. I I bet he probably does because he owns so many thousands of acres. But he's got a Model T in there and all kinds of old tools, and the and the floor is dirt, and it's just this. Well, the mentality of these farmers, it's like they're super resourceful, and they just got it done. They figured out a way to get it done. They didn't have a choice. Needed to. They didn't have a choice because it is harvest time. Harvest time is now. I don't have time for any of this. Exactly. Quote by this local farmer. Modern tractors are incredibly sophisticated and expensive machines with lots of very advanced technologies for operation and control, but the fundamental mechanics design hasn't changed all that dramatically since the 1980s. In much the same way that a 1966 Volkswagen Beetle can get your ass to work and generally the same sort of speed as a 2019 Volkswagen Passat on the same exact roads, using the same basic principles, a 40-year-old tractor does essentially the same job as a modern one at a fraction of the cost and with the ability to effect repairs without involving John Deere reps to come out with a USB key or enlisting <laughs> the help of Ukrainian hackers. I yeah, like this man. farmer guy. Yeah, it's... I think you're going to start to see this is like a farming thing, but I've really... I really think you're going to see a human revolt to all of this stuff. So that was my question. I was going to pose it as this. With all new cars and this future electric autonomous vehicles get more complex, will there be a similar backlash to what's been happening in the farming industry? I think you will if you start to see some of the newer cars becoming unreliable or people aren't able to do what they want to do. You might see some sort of backlash to it. Um, There probably is already a little bit. Used car market prices are pretty high. Because There's, they don't. Because yeah. people either A, can't afford it, or B, don't, don't understand want. it, yeah. don't want it. Um, there's also a lot of complexity that people don't understand with all the new safety stuff. There's no... There's no industry standard. Like you have ABS, you have SRS. These are <laughs> right. these are they're industry all systems. That, yeah, they're, they're, those are standard systems. But every single manufacturer has a different name for their adaptive cruise control. They all have I know. they have a different name for their automatic driving. Whether it's automatic braking, and yeah, all this stuff, or it's super cruise. All these different things. Nobody un- people are having trouble understanding it. It's not standardized. Right. And um, the younger people probably could figure it out, but they're not necessarily driving that much. Well, not so only like that, they can't afford these vehicles. Yeah, nobody can afford any of it. It's just just wild. So people yeah. have been you know, figuring out ways to fix things and do things themselves. And I've even noticed this on, on Instagram is um, I've noticed a lot of people are starting to try and do their own work and work on their own car. And there's, there's reward in doing anything, whether it's For working sure. on your house or working on your car, when you are able to accomplish something yourself, it, it is a really, really good feeling. And you can stand back and um, especially if you're doing it just for yourself, mm-hmm. you can stand back you and, and you just feel good about accomplishing or doing something versus sitting on the couch for three hours watching The Bachelor with your wife and hating <laughs> every minute of it. Oh, is that from personal experience? Yes. Yeah, it was. Uh, yes. 
So, all right. So do you have any more thoughts on that? No, that's about it. I know we have some listener questions and comments we could get to. We do. Logan Kindle says, hey, I do have a question for you. I've been listening to your podcast since last year, and I love it. I've been listening to it in order and trying to catch up. I'm currently on episode 117. What are we on now? Like 170? I yeah, think getting up there. something like that. But my question is, maybe you could talk about it on the podcast. I currently have an 87 Pontiac Fiero GT with a V6 and 5-speed manual, and I think it's a very pure driving experience. It's a manual rack and pinion, non-ABS, mid-engine, lightweight car. What are your thoughts on them? I love the idea of a Fiero, especially the GT and a 5-speed. I've never driven one, I though. have never driven one. My uncle had one when I was growing up, and all I remember is my entire family just saying, don't die on your way home. You're going to catch on fire and die on your way home. So that was like ingrained in me from it a young like, oh, child. No, Fieros if are you terrible. Get, if you get in a Fiero, you're going to die. You are going to die. You're going to burn alive <laughs> in your Fiero. And then he sold it because he got sick of hearing everybody tell him he was going to die every Christmas. You know what I remember is I was a kid and my dad and I were going to look at I don't know, some project car or something. And in the garage, this is one of these guys that had like, all the garage was like pristine white and everything with the floor. And he had two cars under car covers and it was a weird shape and he was super proud of them. And I was like, what, what is that? And he goes, Oh, let me show you this. This is the coolest car on the road today. And he pulls it back and it's a Fiero. And I, afterward, I remember driving home with my dad. I was like, what is a Fiero? He goes, it's not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was uh, really hyping it up there. It's not that cool. I'd like to drive one. I um, would too. Our friend Ray Schaefer raced him. Remember oh, when we that's talked, right. yeah, yeah, and Mr. Oates raced raced Fieros back in the day. That's right. I, I would like to I would like to get in one. I'd like to drive them. I look at the interior. I'm like, yeah, that looks pretty cool. It I does look cool. With that. So if anybody around has a Fiero that we can drive, I, I know I'd our like uh, local back to the '80s car show chapter has a ton of them. They do, and I know they listen. They right now, some guys like sending us. I bet I get a text message as soon as this episode comes. I got a Fiero. It's right here. I would love to. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll do our smiles per mile. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. That'll be the first car that gets the make overcrest a, a one to ten scale. One to ten scale. Yes, it will. One to ten. All right. Maybe, yep. we, maybe we should go uh, drive something and uh, get that. I like figured it. Out. So, um, so you know Neil Pert. He's the, the uh, drummer for Rush. Yeah, also the songwriter for Rush. Wrote the song Red Barquetta. Um, he passed away. He was 67 years old. I he, heard that. It was uh, uh, a brain cancer. Oh, wow. You know, a young man. Yeah. Well, I still, 67, pretty young. Yeah. Should still be able to do all the things you want to do at 67. Other than I can't even get out of bed in the morning sometimes, so I guess maybe that's <laughs> not true. It's because you need coffee, Chris. That's right. Um, so I just wanted to leave everybody with a quote by Neil. Uh, he says, quote, it's about being your own hero. I set out to never betray the values that 16-year-old had, to never sell out, and to never bow to the man. A compromise is what I can never accept.